Our scripture for today comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, starting with the first verse. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word today. Amen. I didn't wear heels, so the, after first service, my calves hurt because I was like standing on my tippy toes. So I'm going to get a stand for this. Short girl problems. Well, last week, if you missed worship, you should first go back and listen to the sermon that Pastor Gene preached. But I encourage you to watch the whole of this service, especially for the benediction, because Pastor Gene reprised his sermon beautifully. He preached on the story of Samuel receiving a call, not from Eli, but from God. And during the benediction, Pastor Gene urged us to give God our yes. Well, the lectionary, which is the prescribed set of readings, like Pastor Brian talked about with the, the children this morning, the lectionary took that benediction and laughed in its face. Because today, as you've just heard, we hear a part of the story of somebody who gave God a big, fat no. A big, fat no. Now, the part of the story that we feel like we remember most often, you know, the, the man who was swallowed by the whale, it's behind us in the portion of the story that Pastor Brian just shared with us. And the whole of the book of Jonah, it's just ridiculous in its scope. So God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah says no, and he runs in the opposite direction. Now, just a, a little bit of insight here. Nineveh is in Assyria, and the Assyrian people have spent years and years persecuting the Jewish people. So when God tells Jonah to go and proclaim that they're going to be destroyed so that God can rebuild it, um, it's interesting that Jonah says no, because, you know, you'd want to say, like, you guys are jerks. Take that. But Jonah says no. He runs in the opposite direction. He gets on a boat, and then the story gets even more ridiculous. So there's a, a storm that's raging, and the mariners on the boat start crying out to their own gods, to any god they can think of, save them from the storm. Now, my man Jonah, he is dealing with the stress of the storm the way I prefer to deal with stress. He's taking a nap. He's, just, he's in the boat. He's sleeping it off. He's not stressed about it. But the mariners, as the storm grows worse, they, they decide that this storm has got to be the fault of some person's sinfulness. They can't really land on who, so they cast lots. Basically, they're just choosing randomly. Who is it that's honking God off so bad to make this storm happen? And the lots are cast on Jonah. So they, they wake him up. They start interrogating him. They're like, who are you? We've not seen you on our boat before. And uh, they learn that he's a Hebrew. 
they learn that he's a person of Jewish descent. So that's some great evangelism, right? You've got all these guys on the boat. They're screaming out to their own gods. And Jonah's like, oh, hey, I'm a Hebrew. My God's kind of cool. He's real ticked at me. He's making it storm. Right? You guys aren't awake yet, are you? You're getting there. So Jonah says to them, he offers himself to them. Maybe if you throw me overboard, God will take a rest from us and you guys will, you know, get back to your merchant sailing lives. And so they show some empathy and they say, no, we're, we're not going to chuck you over the boat. We're just going to row like hell and try to get back to the shore. And so they try, they try to get the boat back to shore and it's just not happening. And finally, they decide that the storm is bad enough. They're all going to die. So if they're all going to die anyway, they might as well just chuck one guy over the boat. But before they do that, they at least have the courtesy to pray to God and ask forgiveness for what they're about to do. And they throw him overboard. And the sea calms down. And the men seem to have a new respect for the God of Jonah as the sea calms down. So then we get to the part of the story that we think we know, right? God continues to punish Jonah by sending a whale to swallow him up, right? Right? No, wrong. God does send a whale, but it's not to punish Jonah. If you look at the book of Jonah, the last verse of chapter 1 reads, But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. God provided the fish. God didn't send the fish to punish him. God provided. It's like the weirdest time out ever, right? Belly of a fish. Now, in my house growing up, our staircase was where timeouts happened, and I think my parents picked it specifically to punish me, the extrovert child. Uh, our stairs had, uh, it was walls on both sides. It was in the middle of the house, so when you were in the stairwell, you couldn't see anything upstairs or downstairs, and we had, it was very specific. You had to sit on the third step. Because if you sat on the first step, you could like see around the corner, kind of see what was happening. And if you sat too far up, you could see the, what was happening upstairs. So a third step. And I got put in timeouts more than I probably care to admit. But you know what they say about idle hands. So I peeled all the wallpaper off of that section of the wall. Timeouts. But so it's like God is saying to Jonah, have a timeout. Sit in the belly of this fish. Think about what you've done. And he does. So Jonah prays. And Jonah prays that the very God from whom he's trying to flee somehow will now find it in God's heart to hear him calling out. I love this prayer. And if you want some extra credit, go home and read Jonah chapter 2. It's an amazing prayer that alternates between asking God for help and somehow blaming God in the process. Like, oh, God, deliver me from all this crap that you did to me. It makes me feel very uh, rational in my praying sometimes when I do the same thing. But when you get to the last verse, are you noticing a theme? The last verses of Jonah pack the punches here. So the last verse of chapter 2 says, The Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. It puked him up. Now, um, I'm... Not really embarrassed, but a little fascinated to share that I spent a lot of time researching this week if uh, whale vomit was kosher or not. 
because one of the arguments that I read in a, in a commentary is that the reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh was because there was a lot of unkosher things happening there, and then he himself became unkosher by being vomited out from the whale, but uh, Jewish rabbis are not really clear on whether whale puke is kosher or not, so I, I can't tell you. But all of this leads us to today's scripture. It said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It is almost word for word that God said to Jonah the first time, get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. And finally, Jonah decides to do what he's told. Well, he does the bare minimum of what he's been told to do. So he walks a third of the way into Nineveh, and he says, 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. There's no hope in his message. There's no redemption promise. But somehow, somehow some random guy walking into a city and says, 40 days from now, you're all going to die. The entire city repents. And even the pagan king calls for fasting and sackcloth. So we're not going to spend time today debating whether this story is literal or satire or any other genre, though as we are learning through reading Rachel Helda Evans' book, Inspired, we know that genre awareness is crucial to how we relate to the Bible. But today I simply invite you to look at Jonah as a character who was given a call from God. That's what we heard about last week in Samuel, and the week before that we heard about the wise ones who sought the infant Jesus. Our faith is an invitation to us. Each of us has a call. And in Jonah, we see a person who resisted the call because he felt like those to whom he was directed to share God weren't worthy of the work. So let's be honest. If we think of ourselves as Christians, as those who have received a call collectively, I believe that we have, what would our call be? What is God's call for us as the church? As United Methodists, we articulate by saying that we are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Here at Linworth, we further articulate that by saying that we aspire to continuously evolve with faith and grace, creating authentic relationships with Christ and each other to build a joyful and diverse community that forges justice, mercy, and care in the world. But as I was reading this week, I came across a post by Shay Mason. She ponders what the collective call of us as American Christians are. And even saying those two words together right now, American Christians, it's, it's kind of weighty because we wonder what it's like to be lumped together all as, as one body of faith within our country right now. We're, we're not like those Christians or these Christians. We're our own kind of Christians. But if we put that aside, what would our call be? She states that in this moment, it feels like we as American Christians are in the belly of the whale. Or as I like to think of it, maybe we are in the midst of our holy and weird timeout. God very much invites us to be an instrument of redemption and love, and yet we keep running from our calling and choosing to dwell in the storms of division and fear and complacency. 
I think we reflect Jonah more than we care to admit, thinking that the people that we are called to share God with are too anything. They're, they're too different. They're too stubborn. They're too scary. They're too lost. But we are all those same things too. And when Jonah finally brings his half-hearted message to the Ninevites, it is received. They change. They're led by their own king. And that's the end of today's scripture. But if you would read just one more verse, just one more verse, the first verse of chapter 4, you would hear, this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. What? Why, why is Jonah angry? He survived, they repented, God's not going to destroy the whole city, it feels all hunky-dory. It's kind of tricky to pin down exactly what Jonah's upset about. Is he mad that he had to proclaim God to them? Is he mad that he had to travel there in order to do it? Is he angry that God actually cares about these people? Can you actually be mad that God cares about people? Our own journey is not unlike Jonah. There are challenges to our own sense of security and comfort when we proclaim, as we sang in the first service, the wideness of God's mercy. How do we respond when we come to the realization that those whom we have deemed immoral or broken or drunk or criminal or disgusting, how do we respond when we realize that they live in the same grace that we do? You know, this morning I realized that I've never preached on Jonah before. And earlier in the week, I thought it was because of that whole, we get caught up on the literal plausibility of the whale barf part. But I'm realizing it's probably more because this story is really hard. It forces us to realize that the people who we deem the least deserving of God's mercy are the very ones who receive it. How's that for good news? As much as we like to think that the bad guys are the bad guys, we need them to stay just that. We've got to have a bad guy. How do we know who we are if we don't know who we aren't? How do we know who we're for if we don't know who we're against? We don't want to show empathy because we're hurt by them and angry at them, and that's way easier to live in. But as my favorite modern-day prophet, Nadia Boltz-Weber, powerfully preaches, she says, empathy is not exoneration. The truth is that we can handle more realities together than we often remember, and we can do both calling out of harm and injustice while at the same time inviting those who are perpetuating harm and injustice into God's grace. We can hold both things together, and indeed that is what God is calling us to do. And in a reflection on that very blog post by Nadia Boltz-Weber, one commenter writes, as I walk through the wounds of our current life, it is so much easier to understand our own self-righteousness than it is to be graceful to those whose ideals lie on the other end of the spectrum. In our household, uh, we've had to learn, having a nine-year-old in the house, about how to uh, rage against people we don't like in ways that are appropriate to the nine-year-old. There's less swearing involved this way. <laughs> but it ends up that oftentimes when we're watching the news or reading a blog post or whatever, 
we like to express it in our family as the person who enrages them, like, why are you the way that you are? That's, that's the cuss-free version. Why are you the way that you are? And in this story, the very person that we want to say that to is also a beloved child of God. And that's hard for us. Maybe we need to take a cue from our friend Jonah and metaphorically offer to be thrown overboard. How many of the storms that we encounter are of our own inviting? We resist and we pout and we stomp about so much in our lives. And if we would just give it up so that someone else might be delivered, maybe God would provide us a whale. It won't be pleasant. It's not going to be comfortable. But after we're done with our holy time out, when we realize that all of our grudges, all of our differences, all of our conflicts can't lead to grace, we realize that when we feel like we're in the belly of the whale, at least there's always whale vomit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>